0: You know, it takes a yieldedness. The Lord's presence is here. And He longs to fill us full and overflowing. But it takes yieldedness on our part. So let's make some declarations. Let's say some things. Just repeat after me if You mean it, if You would. Father, I'm asking You, in the name of Jesus, to fill me full of Your Holy Spirit. Fresh and full, fresh and new again. Father, I thank you for this fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. Now lift up your hands and just receive it. Father, I receive your Holy Spirit. Fresh and full and infilling, Lord, of your presence. Lord, I thank You that Your revelation and understanding would fill the atmosphere, would fill every mind and heart tonight. That as You encounter us, that we would not be the same any further, but that we will come up in revival. That we will mature and grow in in Your thinking and being measured by the stature of Christ in unity, Lord. This is our request. This is our request. Where our faith is tonight, in Jesus' name and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, You are full of the Holy Spirit. What did you come expecting tonight? A powerful message. Good. I'm glad someone is in faith for that because that helps me. The goodness of God, His presence, fellowship in what was love to be a blessing to be blessed more money okay so so scott has said three things so he has come with certain expectations his expector is on there's another word for that it's called faith but there's a whole bunch of you that haven't said anything so we know that scott is here Expecting. How about you? Are you expecting? So everybody all at once, just say something you're expecting from the Lord. By the way, wasn't last week amazing? Our service time? I mean, we didn't even have a sermon, but the Lord ministered to us. And His presence was so strong and weighty. I don't know how else to describe it. Very weighty. And I was just really... I was personally blessed and I was sitting here thinking, I mean, it's not always I feel the presence of the Lord. But I was feeling the presence of the Lord. And uh, I was thinking to myself, am I the only one who's feeling this? Well, then after the service, you know, many others were saying similar things. And so it was wonderful to see people ministered to and, and that the Lord would honor us in that way. If you would go in your Bible to the book of First Corinthians, and we're going to continue in our series that we have been in the gifts of the Spirit. And we are going tonight to look at the power gifts and what are the power gifts, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. We, we have, I've said this before, we've divided the, the gifts into different categories just for the simplicity of teaching them. They're not divided that way in the Bible, you won't find them with these headings on it. But the power gifts are the gifts that do something, they accomplish something. So special faith, we'll read about that, the gift of faith, or gifts of healing, or the working of miracles. Those three are the ones that we commonly refer to as the power gifts. And they're gifts that do something. They accomplish something. So my question to you, and I've asked this question before throughout this series is, but should we be experiencing in the church today the same things that they were experiencing in the early church when Paul wrote about this? Yes, at least the good things, right? We should be considering, I mean, experiencing and making ourselves in the body of Christ available for all that God has for us. Yet, we often look around and we don't see it nearly as prevalent as what we would like to see it, right? I think part of that is because we sometimes. Have, have over-spectacularized, and we're looking for a big ooh aha thing. And sometimes the small things on the inside, is the, we just call it being Spirit-led. But that's actually the Lord, and some of these gifts in operation in the individual, and we don't recognize it as such, because we give it a different name. But the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit is still manifesting in His church, in His body, The body of Christ hasn't lost any of its power. Amen. Hebrews 2. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. In Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4, it asks a question and then he makes a statement. He says, How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. To us, the disciples. To us, the apostles. Those who heard Him. Okay, At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to His will. So when the Lord... When the new covenant was implemented and when the church was begun, was it necessary that God needed to do, you know, extra tricks to get the church jump started? Or if we are, I mean, which chapter of Acts are we living in? 29, right. It's the unwritten one, it's still being written. So as we live in today's day and age, as we look to the Lord to accomplish what He started, then we need to begin believing God that He's going to testify with signs and wonders according to His Word, with miracles and distributions of gifts according to the Holy Spirit. Do we still have the Holy Spirit today? Okay. If He would have said gifts and distribution while Jesus was in the flesh walking the earth, then we could say, okay, those have went away. Because He's not with us walking the earth anymore. But no, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit today. So nothing has changed in that regard. Alright, if you're in 1 Corinthians 12, let's look at verse 1. And I'll read just down through here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith. By the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings. By the one Spirit. And to another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these. Distributing to each person as he wills. We have been using this as our text for teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. You can find others in Romans chapter 12. And then it it mentions here ministries. It mentions gifts. And so there's a number of different things that he refers to. But tonight, we're going to isolate down to verse 9. And I'll read it to you now in the Amplified. It says, To another, wonder-working faith by the same Holy Spirit. Everyone say, wonder-working faith. The New Living Translation calls it great faith. The, the Weymouth or the, and the Living Bible, they both say special faith. It's a gift. All of these are called gifts of the Spirit. You don't earn them. It's not by your will that they come. I mean, think about the nature of a gift and receiving a gift. You don't receive a gift because it was your will. You receive a gift, or at least a gift is presented to you, whether you receive it or not is another side of the coin. Whether or not a gift is presented to you is solely up to the giver. So these things are gifts that are presented to you, the believer, and then it's up to you, the believer, to yield to them, to receive them, to act upon them, and and all of that. So so here, we're seeing this special faith, this wonder-working faith, it is a gift of special faith. It is given to you, the individual, as God wills, to accomplish a particular purpose. It's not just to, "woo." that felt great, do it again, God. No, it's to accomplish something. To accomplish something. To do something specifically that God has in mind. So to answer and to look at what is special faith exactly, we have to back up and take a little bit greater bird's eye view of the question of what is faith. And in Hebrews 11 in verse 1, there's a famous verse, right, that quotes or says what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It's substance of what you are hoping for. And it's evidence of what you cannot see. The ISV says it this way, um, actually the Holman, I'll read the Holman first. It says, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And then the ISV, International Standard Version, I believe is that one, says, now faith is the assurance that what we hope for will come about and the certainty that what we cannot see exists. If you were to read the SR Revised and Annotated Version, have you ever heard that one? Yeah, it's a Sydney Revised and Annotated Version. It would read like this. Faith is the foundation of what is expected. Faith is the foundation of what is expected. Because that's what, when you boil those words down to isolate their meanings, it's talking, it's, it's foundational. Faith is foundational to what you expect, what you are hoping for. And remember, this hope is not the, it's the Bible kind of hope. It's not wishfulness. It is confident expectation is what the word means. So the foundation, your faith is foundational for anything that you're going to receive from the Lord. Okay? There are four different kinds of faith. Did you know that? Let's not call them kinds, let's call them types. Four different types of faith. And in in one sense, we'll talk about this in a little bit, faith is faith, and it's all the same. But for the sake of teaching and helping you understand special faith, we'll look at four different types of faith that we experience and walk in in the body of Christ. The first one is found in Ephesians 2 verse 8. It says this, says, for you are saved, everyone say saved, by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. So we would call this saving faith. So the first kind of faith that any person experiences is saving faith. Because it is the faith to be saved that is imparted to you at the hearing of the gospel. Alright, this, this faith, we could call it a different name. We could call it Jesus. Because this faith comes from hearing the Word. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And then in later, in the same chapter of John, what I'm quoting, he says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Became flesh. So, Jesus, we call Him the Word. Well, faith, let's look here at this. In Romans 10.17, I've already quoted it to you, but I'll read it to you from the the New King James Version. It says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The easy-to-read version, I think, does probably the best job of getting the thought of what that verse is saying across to the reader. Now, the easy to read version is not a literal translation and it's not even one that I would recommend be your daily reader. Because it's, it's just not very literal. But in this particular verse, they do an excellent job of describing what the verse says. So faith comes from hearing the good news. And people hear the good news when someone tells them about Christ. Faith comes from hearing the Word. Hearing Jesus. The good news, the gospel. That's what gospel means, is good news. Faith comes from hearing good news. So, when you're out there and you share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with someone, it is then and only then that they can receive salvation. That they can have faith for salvation. You can't have faith for something that you don't know about. How many of you have had faith for hammers with wings that fly around by themselves and pound nails in no, even probably no one here has ever even had that thought before. So nobody has been in faith for that. Or hoping, or confident expecting, or anything like it. Because you have to know about something before you can believe that maybe I would have that too. So that's where this Scripture... And by the way, this verse in Romans 10.17 Um, That faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. That's how faith is built in the individual. That verse, we use that as a blanket statement for all faith. That faith is built, all kinds of different types of faith is built from the Word of God. Finding the Word of God. However, if you want to put it in its context, the context is very strictly about the preaching of the gospel. The previous verses were like, well, how can they be saved if no one tells them? And how can can no one tell them if they're not sent? And on and on until finally he works up to this point and he says, you know, because faith comes from hearing the good news. And so, faith comes from the Word. Hearing the Word. But it's the living Word. Faith comes from hearing the living Word. The Logos, the written Word, or what was said... It's just that. It's what was said. If you don't attach, if it doesn't become alive to you and become Rhema to you, then you will never be in faith for the promise or for what was written or what was said. So it has to be a living, a living word to you. Let me say it a different way and help you help break it down. It comes through relationship, not reading about God and knowing about him because you read about him. It comes because you know him. You have relationship with Him. And the closer relationship you have with Him, the more you will know what is His will and what is not His will. Just like my children have a lot better idea of what my will is than the neighbor's kids. Because they have a completely different relationship with me than the neighbor's kids do. So it's the same way for you and I. The more you know the one behind the promise, the more you know the one behind the Word, the more you will know their will. And it's impossible to have faith for anything without knowing the will of God on the subject. You know, I think it was F.F. F. Bosworth that made that statement, that faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins there. So it's, an, it's not just in the written Word. When we say faith comes from hearing, let's say it a different way. You have to hear it with your, your natural ear, but you also have to hear it with your spiritual ear. You know, Jesus said, my ear has been opened. He opened my ear. And He wasn't talking about His natural ear. He was talking about His spiritual ear. And so, in the same way, you and I, we have to have our spiritual ear open to hear the Word, so that we can hear what the Lord's saying to us. It's, about, it's not a formula. Sometimes we have made mistakes by using... Um, we, we treat faith as a formula. We, we say, okay, if I, if I do this formula, then I'll get this result. Well, that's kind of backwards. You know, if I do this formula, I'll be in faith, I'll get this result. It's actually, if you're in faith, the formula will just play itself out. And you'll get this result. And... We talk about confessing things and saying things and using the power of our words and the power of life and death is in the tongue. And there is a confession of faith. It's from a position of belief. There's also a confession unto faith. And, and we recognize that. That you know what you say out of your mouth affects you and your thoughts and it'll position you to get into faith. And that's why we encourage people to... Speak the word, but it's not just to be robots and speaking it. It's to speak what he says and to think like he thinks and become like he is about knowing its relationship and will with the Father. So, all of this to answer the question what is faith, and in particular saving faith, comes to us at the hearing of the gospel. Well, something follows saving faith, and, and it's what we would call general faith or common faith. It's common to all believers. And there's all different levels of it. Um, Titus 1.4 says this. Paul was writing to Titus. He says to Titus, my true child, my true child in common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So he says, my true child in common faith. He calls it common faith. Romans 12 verse 3 says it this way. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Saving faith is available to all. Would you not agree? It's available to everyone. Now, there's responsibilities that we have to tell the gospel to them. So that they can receive it. But it's been given to all. Well, common faith, general faith, is given its believers that are now born again. And when they find promises of God and they believe those promises at the, at the reading of the Word and when they understand when God speaks something in their heart, then faith wells up on the inside. And that's just what we would call common faith. And, or what Paul in Romans called the measure or a measure of faith. What is, what is the measure of faith? Or, or this measure that it's speaking of? This measure of faith that it's speaking of is Jesus. Jesus has been given to all. A measure of faith. He is the measure. He is what, we, what they're referring to as a measure of faith. And it's given to everyone. God has given the same amount of foundational, regular, common faith to every person. In Mark 11:24, 24, you know, where Jesus cursed the fig tree and then the next day their disciples are shocked about it. And He teaches them on it. And He tells them, you know, whatever you say to this mountain, be removed. All of those things. Then He finishes with this. He says, therefore I tell you, Jesus' words, red letters, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that you have received them and you will have them. So believe past tense. This is not special faith. This is not a gift of faith. This is common, everyday faith, general faith that's available to every believer. Romans, uh, Romans Mark 11.24 uh, applies to every believer who will believe. So it's not special faith. Your faith for anything. Everyone say anything. Your faith for anything. Salvation, forgiveness of sins, healing, finances, deliverance, victory in any area of your life, is 100% dependent on your understanding of what the Word says about the thing you're believing for. Anything that you're in faith for is 100% dependent upon your understanding of what the Word says of what Jesus, of what God says about the thing you're believing for. If you haven't noticed, I'm just saying the same thing over and over again since the beginning of this sermon, but in different ways. You have to know what God is saying to be in faith for it. And you find that out through the written Word. You find that out by what He's ministering to you on the inside. But it has to line up with the written Word. And if He tells you on the inside, I want you to bring a gun into the church and shoot everyone, well, that doesn't line up with the Word. And we know that you have a problem and need deliverance. Okay? And we'll get in faith for that. But the point is, is if it, it's a, that's, a, that's an obvious contradiction of the Word. But if it contradicts the Word, then you either don't understand the Word, or you are listening to wrong things. Right? And, and need delivered on that. Need to take authority over that. Your faith cannot exceed your word level. Or, I'll say it a different way, your faith cannot exceed your knowing of the will of God on the thing you're in faith for. Unless, here's the disclaimer, unless it's special faith. And even then, you have to know the will of God in regards to Him wanting you to have special faith. Or the gifts of the Spirit. You have to believe that He would want you to have the gifts of the Spirit. Are you following me? Still knowing His will. Within general faith, there are many different levels of faith. We already talk, mentioned that. It's like strength. There's many different levels of strength. A two-year-old has strength. And then in the strongest man competition, there's a lot more strength. Right? But then there's also supernatural strength that can happen. It's your common everyday strength, but then a supernatural strength can take a hold of you, and you can do something and go much further than common everyday strength could ever go. I remember my aunt Lillian; she had um, was mowing the yard. I don't think the bl- uh, actually I'm not sure on that, so I won't say if the blades were on or not. And she had her younger brother a toddler, a little older than a toddler, in her lap. And he fell off. Now this is like a garden tractor, a Boland's garden tractor. Big, heavy, heavy. It's not your little mower that you're thinking about mowing a yard. He fell off and she runs over him and he's underneath the mower. And so she gets off, lifts the entire front end of the mower up, and sets it aside and gets him out from underneath there. Later, she comes back, she could not budge that mower. Could not move it. Much too heavy. She tried. What was that? Well, that was a supernatural strength that went a lot further than her natural strength will, right? And therein lies the difference between common everyday faith and special faith. It's something that is for a particular purpose and it accomplishes something that you can't do where you're currently at in your faith. Faith is measurable. I'm not going to turn to these references. I'll just name the references so that if you want to come back and listen to the recording and look it up, you can do that. And by the way, I've said this before and it's been a a little while since I've said it so it's time to say it again. Don't ever take my word for something that I'm teaching you and claiming to be Scripture and claiming to be God's way God thinks on it. Right? You study it out for yourself. You look into the Scriptures and you be a student of the Word and, and ask the Lord to teach you on that. And it will probably agree with what I taught you, but don't just take My Word for it. That's how people get off and get misled. So. There's different levels of faith, just like there's different levels of strength. In Mark four forty, there's a level of faith called no faith. All right, no faith. In Romans four nineteen, there's a level of faith that's referred to as weak faith. In Matthew fourteen thirty one, Jesus said, Little faith. But even little faith will move mountains, he said. Then Paul in speaking about Timothy's mother and grandmother, he called in uh, that's in 1 Timothy 1:5, 1, he called it sincere faith. It's genuine, it's real. And in Romans 4:20, strong f- faith is referenced. Well, strong faith is different than little faith or weak faith, right? So different levels of faith. Jesus again in Matthew 8:10 called it great faith. Great faith. And then there's full of faith in Acts 6.5. Full. Leveled up for you video gamers. Then there's perfect or mature faith in James 2.22. Or complete faith. Meaning, if it's mature, it's received what it was believing for. It's, it's mature faith. Overcoming faith in 1 John 5.4. Overcoming faith. Are you seeing this? There's all these different progression and levels of faith. And then there's something called shipwrecked faith in 1 Timothy 1.19. Shipwrecked faith. So there's different levels of faith and of, of common, everyday faith. That's what we're talking about. By saving faith, you came into... Uh, the body of Christ and it is you live your everyday life in common general faith that is available to you by understanding what the will of God is and acting upon what you know so both saving faith and general faith come from hearing the word then there's a third type of faith and it's called the fruit of faith fruit of faith in galatians 5:22 and 23 gives us the fruit of the spirit fruit of the spirit is not a banana or however that song goes. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith or faithfulness. Faithfulness is, is really the way they usually translate that word. Faithfulness. Think about what that word is saying. faith Okay, I know, I'm breaking that word completely up into bits and pieces. But you're full of faith. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. This kind of faith, faithfulness, fruit of the Spirit, it is spiritual character development. Spiritual character development. Fruit that grows in a Christian's life. Special faith doesn't grow the gift of special faith. It doesn't grow. It's something that's just given to produce power to receive. Special faith is given to produce power to receive. So the fourth type is special faith, which is where we've come full circle to now. And in in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, it refers to it in the Amplified as wonder-working faith or special faith. It is a gift of special faith that's given to you to receive a miracle. Receive a miracle. Special faith that's given to receive a miracle. Whereas the, one of the other power gifts, the working of miracles, is also a gift, but it's given for you to do a miracle. Or to work a miracle. One is passive, the other is doing. Special faith to receive something, the other is actually you're doing the miracle. I, I think that when you look at the story of... And by the way, in the Old Covenant, you find all the gifts of the Spirit except tongues and interpretation. And I'm not saying they weren't in the Old Covenant, but we don't find any evidence of it being in the Old Covenant. But all the other gifts were there. We can find those. And I believe that Moses operated in two of these gifts at the parting of the Red Sea. The gift of special faith or or... The gift of the working of miracles, the parting of the Red Sea. But then the gift of special faith that the Red Sea would stay parted while they crossed it. I mean, because it might not. The Egyptians found out. Right? So it it took a faith, a special faith, to now step into and walk into this miracle that happened. So we see both, I think, at play there. One gift, the gift of special faith, receives, the other gift does something. And I'll say this again. This special faith is given to the individual as God wills to accomplish a particular purpose. And it is a gift. Would it be a good thing if the Lord just gave you something that went a lot further than what you can go and believe for? I like, there's a story of Smith Wigglesworth that he put in his books. And you can find it in a number of different books of his that are out. And so I'll read a part of this to you. But it was early in his ministry, and one day he his neighbor lady was sick, and he he knew that. And when he returned from work in the afternoon, he heard that she'd died. And so. He uh, began to pray for this lady. And this is now in his words. He says, <clears throat> The lady lay on the bed, and I began to penetrate the heavens with my prayers, with what faith I had. All the time, my wife was shaking me and saying, Stop praying. She's already dead. It's too late. But I just kept praying. Directly, I came to the end of my faith. And when I did, I was conscious of a faith that took a hold of me that could not be denied. While I was praying in my own faith, it seemed as if the answer was no, no. But when this other faith came over me, I looked right up into heaven and said, yes, yes. The next thing I knew, without intending on doing it, without realizing I was doing it, I got a hold of that woman and pulled her right out of bed. I stood her up against the wall and commanded her to walk in Jesus' name. And she started breathing and walking and was raised up. Special faith. Gift is special faith. And I think there was other things in, in, at play here too. But that special faith dropped on him and suddenly he had faith to do things that his own, the faith level that he had prior to that wasn't going there. So that's from common faith to gift of faith. As I said before, strength is strength. Faith is faith. It's not a different kind of faith, right? It's just a lot more of what you had. But to the degree that it just overcomes. And I I truly think that if we would be bold enough at those small promptings that we get to step out in the faith that we have, That once we step out into that, we would encounter that supernatural gift of faith to help us in the thing we've stepped out into. I would also add this that faith is not a feeling. It's nice when you can feel it, but you don't always feel it. It's great when we feel it. And I would prefer, if I would have been the one designing it, you know, I would have been like, you always feel it. But I wasn't, and God knows better than me. And sometimes you don't feel it, and still a miracle will happen. I remember one time we were at Red Lobster. This was maybe in 2017, I would say, ish, somewhere there, 18, 17. And um, we were sitting there eating after a Sunday morning service. And I was sitting, my family was sitting at a table, and right behind me was a row of booths against the wall that had people sitting in them. The rest of the restaurant is all this way in front of us. And as we're sitting there, I don't know if our food had come yet or not. I don't remember. But all of a sudden I became aware that people are looking at me. Just like you all are right now. Everyone's looking at me. And I'm I'm thinking, why? And so I'm looking around. Yep, they, 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 everyone. Why are they looking at me? And what did I do, you know? Did I have a booger hanging out of my nose? What's happening? And I've realized, so I turn and look, and right behind me, they're not looking at me, they're looking right behind me at what's happening behind me in the booth. And so they're looking past me, and it looks like they're looking at me. And when I turn, I see this elderly lady, I would say she was in her 90s, was sitting there in the booth, and she was choking. Not making any sound, but she's choking. And so here come the wait. It was a waitress, wasn't it? Waitress? Waiter, waitress, there's several. And uh, they come and they're doing the Heimelech maneuver on her. And they're working with her. But, I mean, she turns three shades of blue and she becomes unresponsive and passes out. And, like, they didn't get anything unlodged. And so they keep trying. Well, now she's unconscious, so they lay her down on the floor right behind me, and they're, they're, you know, trying to work on her and pressing on her belly and chest, and just, you know, they don't know what they're doing, and they're trying to help. And and one one's checking her pulse, and pretty soon they're like, you know, it's, you know, call 911. Well, someone had already, and um, they get up and they give up. And so the one. Is just kind of kneeling by her head because they don't know what else to do. But like she has, it's minutes now that she has been unconscious and not breathing. And so I got up once they stopped working on her. I got up and went over and knelt down beside her. And I said to the person there, I said, I'm a pastor, I'm going to pray for her. And the reason I said that was because I thought that might give me a little bit more authority to be in the workspace. Rather than just saying, I'm here to pray for her, right? Oh, you know, everyone wants a pastor around when they're dying, so sure. (laughs) So I kneel down there and lay my hand on her leg. And I begin to pray just real quietly in tongues. Um, Maybe for 20 seconds. And then I begin to pray in English, Lord, Give this lady life in Jesus' name. This thing needs to be dislodged and be free. Begin to breathe in the name of Jesus. And I'm just praying like that quietly. Like no one else is hearing me. And I pray that way for maybe another 20 seconds. I don't know. And um, she coughs and regains consciousness. Just like that. And like when... I mean, it was only God. Okay, only God. The... Thing is, is I didn't feel anything. I might as well have been saying, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. I felt nothing. But did something happen? Yeah. So we cannot go by our feelings and be dependent or reliant upon, well, do I feel in faith? Just like love is not a feeling, love is a choice, love is an action. And if you make right choices and actions, you will feel love. Well, faith is much the same way. Many times, if you'll just step out in faith in what you believe, that you will feel it. But it's not always. It's not always a a thing that you're going to feel. So don't measure faith whether or not you're feeling it. The other thing on this is the Holy Spirit's not going to force you. He's not going to make you do something. Now, I know the story that I read about Smith Wigglesworth. He termed it that way. But the Holy Spirit is not going to just override you and make you do something. Make you give a tongue, or make you give a prophecy, or make you give a word of knowledge, or make you do a miracle. He's there, He wants to, but you have to yield. And when you begin to yield, that is when you will suddenly, He'll come in and it feels forceful now. Because you've yielded, and you've given way, and you've said yes. But He always will give you the opportunity. If the Lord wasn't going to give you... If you didn't have to yield, He would just save everyone. Boom. Done. No choice on your part. You're saved. Everyone's going to come rejoice with me in heaven. That's why I created them after all. But no, there's a yielding and a choice that takes place on our part. All right, let's look at some examples and then we will close. Go over to Acts chapter 3. And what we've been doing in this series is looking at examples in the early church and in Scripture of the gifts of the Spirit in operation. In Acts chapter three, I'll read the first sixteen verses, and this tells the story of a of a Great example of the gift of special faith and a few other things. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us! So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong, so he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. And while he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or godliness? This is important because the disciples did not operate in the gifts of the Spirit because they were disciples, because they had walked in the flesh with Jesus. That isn't why, because they had special status. No, the reason he says it wasn't by our own power, our godliness. So for those people who believe that the gifts of the spirit have ceased or passed away when all the apostles died, clearly it wasn't something that was special with the apostles here. Verse 13, he says, "The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified His servant Jesus." There's the reason has glorified his servant Jesus. And then he goes on and he explains a few things. Whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And now he says how it happened. By faith in his name. His name has made this man strong. Whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given Him this perfect health in front of all of you. Faith in the name of Jesus. I believe He had special faith that was given to Him. The Weymouth Weymouth translation reads verse 16 this way. It is His name, faith in that name being the condition, which has strengthened this man whom you behold and know. And the faith which He has given has made this man sound and strong again, as you can all see. Now, there's two ditches on this subject. There are those people that believe in a no-fault faith. In other words, it's all up to God. It's up to whatever He wants. It's up up to Him. My faith has no role to play in whether or not I receive this miracle or healing or whatever it is. Deliverance or financial thing. Well, your faith has something in the miracle of salvation, it has something to do, right? Your faith has a part to play. If you have no faith, you won't be saved. Well, in the same way, when it comes to these gifts of the Spirit, we have a part to play. So for people who think that it's entirely up to God and whatever God wants, and some people picture God this way, I think. They think that He's sitting in heaven on a grassy knoll, and um, He's picking clover leaves. And someone prays and says, Lord, please heal Aunt Susie. And so the Lord is, huh, Aunt Susie, hmm. To heal or not to heal? No. To heal or not to heal? Uh, not to heal, sorry. And it's just all up to God. But we know from Scripture that is not the case, that it is faith has a major role to play. It is always God's will to heal. We find that. By the example, Jesus was the express image of God in the earth when He walked the earth. So, He was the exact impression and will of God the Father being revealed to mankind in the flesh. And every single person that came to Him for healing, He healed him. Never once did He say, no, not today, it's not my will. He always healed him. He demonstrated what God's will is in regards to healing. The other ditch is people try to make a miracle happen fine, I'm going to pray for every sick person I see, every person who has a limp, every person who seems like they have something wrong with their body, I'm going to command them to be healed in the name of Jesus and they're going to be healed. Well, Jesus didn't do it that way. He went to the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda, one of the two. Bethesda, was that where it was? The pool of Bethesda, He goes there and it says the whole place is full of sick people. It's a hospital. He healed one person and left. One person. And that person wasn't even asking him for healing. He's like giving reasons why he can't be healed. It's not like he was in faith for it. I don't know. I mean, I do know why he went. is because he said, I don't do anything except that the Father tell me to do it. In in John 5.19, Jesus said, I assure you, the Son, that's himself, is not able to do anything on his own. But only what he sees the Father doing. Or whatever the Father does, the Son also does these things in the same way. When he went to that pool of Beth- Bethsaida, he must have seen the Father heal that man. Now, why was the Father healing that man and not everyone else there? I don't know that. It'll be a great question once we get to heaven. I have an opinion on it. I believe someone was praying in faith for that man. Faith is what moves God. Someone prayed for that man. And the Lord says, I'll send my guy. Right on it. So he goes in. One guy's healed. He walks out. If anyone else there would have asked him for healing, what would have happened? They'd have been healed. Because everywhere else in Scripture, everyone who asks him is healed. So, rather than trying to make a miracle happen, the answer to a million and one questions is, be led. Be led. Be led by the Spirit of God. Should I pray for that person? I'd like to. Yeah. I have the green light on the inside. Your default should be set on yes. Let the Lord say, hmm, no. They're not ready or whatever. Minister this way. Remember how Jesus stood up in the boat, calmed the storm, just spoke to it. But that's not what Paul did when he was in a boat in a storm. Why didn't he get up into the bow of the ship and just decree out over the sea, Peace! Be still! So what Jesus did, well, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So that's what he had the prompting from the Lord to do. Paul didn't have that prompting. So he wasn't going out on his own. The prompting that he did have was an angel showed up at night in a vision, stood by his bed and told him, Hey, everyone's going to make it. You're going to lose a ship, but everyone's going to make it. So he stood up and declared that. All right, Acts chapter 9. See, special faith, the gift of special faith to receive a miracle or to to say something or speak something, there is special faith for words. Did you know that? In Acts 9 32, we'll see this in two examples, uh, looking at verse 32 through 42. As Peter was traveling from place to place, he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Ananias who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha which is translated Dorcas. She was always doing good works and acts of charity. About that time, she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men to him who urged him, "'Don't delay in coming with us.' Peter got up and went with them. When when he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs." And all the widows approached him weeping and showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. They're not in faith. Someone was in faith because they sent for Peter. But these people here, they're not in faith. Because if they would be in faith, instead of weeping and and all of this stuff, they would be telling Peter about the things they're going to do in the future with her. Their language and their demeanor would have been completely different. So, it's not that they're in faith that this happens, what we're going to read. Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed. And tu- I don't know how long he prayed, it doesn't tell us. But he prayed. Do you think he prayed in common, everyday faith that he had? Yes. Until a special faith dropped down on him. To where he could then turn and speak to this body. He knelt down, prayed... And turning toward the body, said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her stand up. He called the saints and widows and presented her alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. You know, special faith can... I I've, I've said this earlier special faith is for you to receive a miracle or be able to declare something that a miracle would take place remember the patriarchs they would lay hands on their firstborn or on their children they would pronounce blessings on them abraham did that isaac did that with jacob and esau and then when he realized isaac realized he'd been tricked by by jacob and here he gave Esau's blessing to Jacob, he wouldn't undo it. Why? Because there was a gift of special faith on him in that moment that whatever he declared was going to be, period. It can't be undone. Gift of special faith, in your words, to bless. In fact, then later, uh, um, Jacob blesses all 12 of his sons and 2 of his grandsons and when you look at those lineages throughout the lives of the children of Israel, the blessing He pronounced, it was just displayed in those tribes' lives. Special faith in your words. And sometimes if, you know, faith, if faith comes by hearing, your, your normal everyday faith can be built up till you're full of faith and you receive a miracle. That's another way to receive faith. Or a gift of faith. Either way, you have to be confident of what the Lord wants. Peter here was, was confident in what the Lord wanted to do and that was raise her from the dead. That's why he goes to the Lord with it. You know, when I got my... In fact, tomorrow is going to be one year since I have my pilot's license. And when the Lord told me to get that, to go get my pilot's license and told me to sign up at the certain school and, and to do it on an accelerated course... I went from zero to pilot's license in 12 days. Which is extremely rare. Okay? The other schools all said that it would take me, um, if I was super sharp and smart and really applied myself, four months. And if I was exceptional, three months. And I did it in 12 days. Not because I'm that sharp and smart though. There was something else at play. And this is what it was. When the Lord told me, You go get your pilot's license and you go here and you do it then. There was a special faith given to me to go do it, to go accomplish it. I began to speak things out. I began to declare things that were not as though they were. I began to say, you know what, this is easy for me. I began to say, I am." I quoted scripture from Psalms 19 about I am sharper and smarter than my instructors. And... I'm going to pass this. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ, including get my pilot's license, who strengthens me. And it just began to say that I had special faith for it. I was convinced that I was going to. And I did. It was the same way with when he told me earlier that same year, last year, told me to go climb the mountain, Mount Kilimanjaro. And when I read after all these athletes and these triathletes and all these people that were like uh, marathon runners. And I read after these people, they would talk about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and that it was one of the hardest things they ever did. I mean, like harder than the other competitions that sports they do. And I was like, wow. But when the Lord said go... He gave me special faith, a gift of faith, to be able to go up that mountain. And rather than it be the hardest thing I ever did, I truly it was one of the easiest things I've ever done in my life. It was like rolling off of a log. Like floating on air. The guys who were with me, they struggled. They wanted to quit on the, on the last day. You know, we, we camped at like 15,500 feet. We spent the night... Um, well, no, we didn't. We spent a couple hours and got a couple hours of sleep and then at midnight we left and we, make the, we head to the summit and that's 19,341 feet and so the idea is, is to summit at daybreak and so that night of climbing as you get into thinner and thinner altitude we're not using oxygen the guys around me it became very difficult and they started getting mentally I mean one, one guy's crying you know everyone is considering quitting they're not saying it out loud But afterwards they're telling me, yeah, I had a speech prepared to tell you guys why I'm going to, you know, you guys go on without me. Well, I was sensing that. And I am encouraging them. I'm singing. I'm stopping and praying for other people on the trail that are having a hard time. And like, I mean, I'm telling you, it's the easiest thing I've ever done. It's just easy. So all of us make it, we make it to the top. And now we're headed back down. We were maybe 30 minutes down the mountain. And and this day we were going to go all the way from 19,000 feet down to our camp and take a small break and then from there all the way down to 7,000 feet. All in one day. So it's lots of miles, it's lots of hiking. Well, 30 minutes down the side of the mountain the Lord speaks to me. And the Lord says to me on the inside, I don't mean audible voice but on the inside, He says, my grace was on you to climb this mountain and to show you the level that I was helping you, I'm going to lift my grace off of you, and you're going to go down the mountain in your own strength. That was hard. I'm telling you, that was hard. And we were going down. I mean, I made it. I endured. I muscled through. But it was painful. It was hard. I couldn't wait for that day to be over. But climbing was a piece of cake. Why? What was the difference? A special faith for God's abilities to help me versus my own strength that would just wear out going down the mountain. There's also special faith for protection. Special faith for protection. If you're in a situation where you need protection, and a special faith can be dropped on you for protection. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. The angel came and shut their mouths And I believe he had a special faith that allowed him, or brought that miracle to him. Let's say it that way. How about special faith for provision? Any of you ever experienced that one? The Lord tells you to do something, and you step out in faith, and then an unshakable, undeniable faith takes a hold of you, and you just know that you know. Here in 1 Kings, let's look at the story of supernatural faith for provision. 1 Kings 17, I'm going to begin now. um, Well, I'll start in verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, this is the king, As the Lord God of Israel lives in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then, after he obeyed, then, some of you want to know the full picture before you step out in faith and in obedience. But if you will obey and do what the Lord showed you to do, once you do that, He will show you what to do next. Then, the word of the Lord came to him. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide at the Wadi Cherith. Now, Wadi is another word for brook or creek, but it's a seasonal creek. It dries up in the dry season. Hide at the Wadi Cherith where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the Wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. Supernatural provision. So he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived at the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he would drink from the Wadi. This is great. It's for the birds, but it's great. Verse 7, After a while the Wadi dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Notice it was the word then again. Verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him. After the provision had dried up. Or when it dried up, we should say. I don't think he went hungry. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Get up, go to Zarephath, that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. So go to this foreign country, in a foreign city, and ask a foreign lady to help you. Widow, to be exact. He says, go, go to this, this Sidon and stay there. And look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. Now, do you think Elijah could have had special faith to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, which is the Lord's city, and I'm going to find a widow there, and she will provide for me. Because after all, the Lord had said that we're not supposed to, you know, be back and forth with these foreign women. Could have he had faith for that? Some say no. Some aren't, don't seem very sure. Some are asleep. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have special faith. You couldn't even have normal faith because the Lord didn't tell you to do that. You can only have faith. What, what, what have I been saying and re-saying? You can only have faith for what you know the will of God is. You can't have faith for something that you don't know if it's the will of God. Well, the Lord told him specifically where to go and who to ask and if he tried to do anything outside of that, the Lord doesn't want that. You can't have faith for it. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath when he arrived at the city gate. There was a widow gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked. Only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now, I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. Our last meal. The last mouthful of food we have to our name. i tell you a funny story about this when I was a child. I would read this story. I thought she was going to eat the sticks. She gathered sticks and says, I'm going to go prepare them so we can eat it and die. Apparently, if you eat sticks, it'll kill you. That's what I thought as a kid. Don't eat the sticks. I think there's a spiritual lesson in there somewhere. This is what Elijah says to her. Do you think it took special faith for him to say this? Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flower jar will not become empty, and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. When special faith comes on you, you can make declarations, you can give blessings, you can give cursings, and they will come to pass. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. So everyone of them, all of them, ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty. The oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. Now her obedience to this word of faith being spoken to her, is it ended up in her son being resurrected and brought back to life as well. Which is the first recorded miracle account of resurrection in the Bible. Like a few verses later, you can find that. So special faith for provision. When the Lord tells you to do something, is that where your provision is? Worship team, you can come. When I was living in Colorado, I mean, we have many stories of special faith provision that the Lord helped us with. Um, but this particular one was we were in Colorado and we were getting ready to move here to Pennsylvania. And we were, you know, had no money. We were deeply in debt. Everything had collapsed around us financially. We did not have the money to move here. I didn't have a job here. I had not, didn't even have a house to move to here. We had zero except a trailer full of our things. And the Lord told us to move, and so we stepped out. Actually, I've got to tell you a story, another story first that's related to this about special faith in Jen. So when the Lord told me, I had been fasting and praying and asking the Lord, I, the Lord had told us to move here, and, but I didn't know the timing on when. And so I'm fasting and praying and asking the Lord, when do you want us to move? And the Lord speaks to me, and he gives me the when. And so I go to Jen, and Jen is like, that's ridiculous. It was, because we had a two-month-old baby at that point, or we were going to have a two-month-old baby when that time would come, which would have been Ariel. And all the preparation and the work of moving with a little baby, you know, just imagine. And this was too quick for her. She loves Colorado. Her family all lives there. This was just not, no, just not good, no. But I'm telling her, this is what the Lord said. This is what we need to do. Okay, okay. That's what, that's what we'll do, but, but I don't know how. It's just too quick. It's too hard. I don't know how we're going to do it. And we have... Um, Prophet Bob Hawk and Sharon were out there ministering at the church. And they asked... Um, we were in a healing line, Jen and I. Uh, not a healing line, in a prayer line. Altar. Actually, he called okay, we came up because he called us up to pray over us. And as they are preparing to pray over us, they're not even touching us. They just begin to pray. And Jen gets, goes out in the Spirit. Falls over. Boom. And like is out. No one touched her. She's never experienced that before. She's never been slain in the Spirit before. She didn't even know if that was possible with her. Because one thing was for certain, is she was not ever going <clears> to <throat> do any courtesy drops. <clears throat> Don't push her over. I say the same thing. But the Lord touched her, and she went, she went out under the power of God, plain and simple. In a minute or two, she comes back too, and she, they help her stand up. In the meantime, they'd been praying over me. And I'm just standing there and receiving from the Lord, you know. And she stands up and the prayer ends, and she looks at me, and she goes, "Honey, we can do this. We're going to do this. It's possible." It was when she went down, there was a special gift of faith that was dropped on her. And that when she got back up, that special gift of faith was on her and suddenly she saw the how, she saw the why, she saw it was possible, it was no longer too hard. That's what special faith will do for you. And it wasn't because she was reading the Word down there and had built up her common faith to that level. Right? It was something the Lord gifted her. Okay, now fast forward to the date that we're going to move. We packed everything up. The church has this farewell for us. And um, I go to meet the next morning, on a Sunday night with the farewell. The next Sunday, or the next Monday morning, I went to go meet Pastor Jay and another gentleman for breakfast. And after, now, we had no money for this trip. We, we had, yeah, we had enough money to get to about Kansas, enough gas money. To get to Kansas, but not all the way to Pennsylvania. So, how are we going to do this? How are we going to just step out and obey the Lord? Well, I don't know. We're just going to do it. Either the Lord's going to have someone at the gas pump to pay for it, or the tank's just not going to run out of fuel. Something's going to happen. Or I'll swipe my card and there's going to be money there. I don't know. All I know is the Lord said go and I'm going to obey Him. That's where my special faith is at. I'm obeying the Lord. He said, Go, we're going. And that morning at breakfast, someone says, The, the gentleman says, uh, The Lord told me to give this to you for your trip. And I think it was $1,100, 1000 or $1,100. It was enough to get us all the way here and have a little bit left over. We didn't even have a house lined up here until we hit. St. Louis and I received a call from a friend attending the church here says hey did you find a house yet well you can stay in the house in the cottage over in Landisville and so that was where we landed And but all of that to say this is what how special faith works special faith for provision but if I would have said Lord I will go once we have the money Would have that special faith showed up and would have the money showed up? I don't think so. I didn't try it that way, so I can't say. But I don't believe it would have. Let me say it a different way. Faith. Peter had special faith to walk on the water. It only came to him when Jesus invited him. When the Word came to him. Faith comes by hearing. Well, that special faith, the walk on water, was dropped on him when Jesus said, come. The Rama, the will of God, became known to him. But he asked to come out there in his common faith before that special faith was dropped on him. He's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Yeah, right, walk on water, Peter. John and Thomas just laughed at him. Peter, what are you saying? We can't walk out there. It's not frozen. But no, Peter says, just tell me to come. And the Lord says, come. And special faith is dropped on him. Now, if he would have said, Lord, once you make the water congeal, I'll come. would have he walked on it? He'd already been invited. It's up to him to act. It's up to him to get out of the boat. And he didn't walk on water until he climbed out of the boat. Until he took, put action to his faith, the special faith that was given to him. But special faith in and of itself won't make the miracle happen if you're not willing to step out and yield to it. If Peter would have been like, all right, Lord, I heard you, but you know once the water, once the waves stop, once the waves stop and the water looks hard, I'll come. He never would have walked on that water. And you know the rest of the story, how he did look at the wind and the waves, and he allowed that to destroy and take away that gift of faith. But the Lord still saved him, still brought him back, and and taught him in doing so. Stand with me. Gift of the Spirit, one of the power gifts, special faith. I know that many of you have experienced it in your life. Be looking for it. The Word says that we are to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Desire special faith, earnestly. Earnestly. I mean, like, what's the one thing you want to happen tonight when you go home? I mean, above anything else, I want this one thing to happen. Most of you would probably say, well, I want to sleep. Right? If nothing else happens tonight, I want this one thing to happen. I want to rest. And most of you are really committed to making that happen. You'll go get in your beds and shut the light out and hold real still and try to make it happen. Why? Because you're expecting and desiring. Are you expecting and desiring the special faith to operate in your life? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful, and that you are faithful to watch over your word to accomplish it, and that you are faithful to every generation. And I ask you, Lord, that tonight you would help us to grow in desire and expectation for your gifts to flow through us for the benefit of those around us. Father, I ask for the gift of special faith upon these your people. Father, You said that we should desire it earnestly, and I desire this, Lord. On behalf of these people, I'm asking You, Lord, that You would impart upon them special faith to to receive miracles, to walk in the supernatural, to receive gifts of the Spirit, and that Jesus would be glorified in the process. And I thank You for this, and we bless You in the mighty name of Jesus, and Amen. Father, we thank you that you are enough. Nicole, come.
1: So I just wanted to share testimony um, of just faith, the gift of faith that happened in our lives. And... Um, about three years ago in 2020, um, Shane and I had started looking for a house to buy. We were trying to find a multi-unit and we searched from about May to September and put multiple offers in, about four offers on different houses and got declined on three of them. And then on the last one, um, we were signing the papers at like nine in the morning and we're just tapping, into you know, our signatures on the phone. And both of us are like, this isn't right. We're just you know what, we're just gonna call it quits and we'll get back to you, to our realtor. So we wound up just taking a break and we sought the Lord and asked him like if we were even supposed to be looking to buy a house and he said, your next place will be renting. And so we were like, wow, we just feel like we wasted a lot of time. But um, we wound up just settling because I was about eight months pregnant and um, we were staying in this house that just really wouldn't have been big enough for the four of us and um, and so, it was about September, the mid-September, that we stopped looking for a house to buy. And I just unpacked everything, right? Like things that we had gotten ready to just get up and go because we really thought we were going to be moving. And just unpacked all of Misha's stuff that we were given. And and um, and then about two weeks later, the Lord told me to start uh, looking for a place to rent and start looking online and looking at different um rental properties and and so I did and we went and looked at one everything seemed right and then we got there and it was just it was in terrible condition and so you're we like well that's not it and so a few days later um, we looked at we I saw this other place online and I was like man this just this is this is it this is everything I mean we, we made a small list of what we were looking for what was not negotiable so we I'm like, this has everything on our list, like the non-negotiables, hardwood flooring, three bedrooms, you know, <laughs> yeah, kitchen to the left, and um, and so I told Shane, I was like, hey, I really believe we need to go look at this place, and he's like, all right, so it was about 40 minutes from where we lived at the time, we're over in E-Town, and, um, and so we go, and he doesn't know, but. I mean, I already filled out the application. I took out the money to, to give them, right? And so she gives us the tour and Shane still doesn't know this. And so we're done and she goes, okay, well, you know, just get back to me in a few days. And, and I was like, actually, here you go. This is it. And she goes, well, you know, you still gotta check these different things. And, and Shane's just looking at me like, we didn't talk about this. And, um, and so then we wound up getting approved like the next day to move into this place. And that was about mid-October, and within two weeks, we had to be out of our old place. Um, We were trying to be out of our old place, but our new lease started November 1. And so, we uh, were sitting one night, the week that we're supposed to be moving. And, you know, we're trying not to put things on the credit card, making an active effort to get out of debt and um, and we get into a disagreement about whether we're gonna get a moving truck on the credit card or whether we're just gonna have to ask people to borrow their trucks because we don't have the money to get a moving truck. And um, we part ways for a little bit because it got heated. And um, and then when we come together to go to bed that night, you know, both of us are just in a place where we're like, we know that putting it on the credit card's not right. And, um, and so then we're, he's like, well, do you remember when God did this? And I was like, oh man. So I just, I mean, I was hot tears crying. And I was like, yeah. And then I just got stirred up. I was like, well, do you remember when God did this? And so we went back and forth for about half an hour, just telling of what God has done for us. And... We're like, all right, Lord, we trust you with this moving situation. I mean, we have no idea how this is going to happen. And I've already sent the text telling people, this is where you can meet us. This is when we're doing this and, you know, whatever, on Friday and Saturday that week. And so we wake up in the morning and to a text of somebody saying, hey um, we're, we're, we're renting this moving truck for you. And, um, you know, it'll be here at such and such time that you need it. And, um, we're also, and I I mean, we had not money. Like I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feed these people. How can I thank them even, you know, I didn't have enough food to be thanking people for what they were doing. And, um, and, and then this person's like, and, and I'm going to provide dinner Friday night for anybody that comes to help load up this truck. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, wow, Lord, this is so like you, you did this. And so Friday happens and then somebody else texts me and they're like, hey, we're going to get coffee and, and breakfast for everybody that comes Saturday morning. and I'm like, oh my word. And so all these people show up. I mean, I am so pregnant and people are just doing what they're doing. So we get to the new house and, um, and not only, you know, normally people are like, all right, this goes in the kitchen and this goes in the living room or the bedrooms. And they're like, great. So you want this unpacked? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. So we just, I mean, they just unpacked the entire house for us and we were settled within a day. And, um, and then while we're there, I mean, this is just like exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or ask. And so we're there and I'm like, uh, Shane's like, well, I'm going to go get pizza. And then this person's like, actually, no, like this is what's going to happen. I'm paying for this. And we're like, no, you don't have to do this. And he, they're like, no, no, well, this is how it's going down. I'm like, okay. And um, and so gets the pizza. And b- by the time like it was a Saturday night, it was Saturday afternoon, and we have church that night. And so right as we were, people were departing to get onto church, and somebody's sitting across from me on the on the couch, and they're like, well, you know, I, I just noticed going down in your basement, you've got oil heat, don't you? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, hey, well, just why don't you fill that up? I'm going to write you a check to pay for your oil, heat, in your new house. And it just, like, as you were preaching, I was like, oh, my gosh. This is so, like, the goodness of God in our lives. And, you know, we can overcome these circumstances by stirring each other up and by— um, and by sharing our testimonies, you know, the faithfulness of God is not to be hidden. It's not to be kept That's to right. ourselves. That's right. And, um, and so I just wanted to share that if somebody needed to hear it, that God goes exceedingly abundantly above what we can think and ask, and, um, and, and He does not fail us. So.
0: Amen. Thank you. He is faithful. Amen. Well, Father, I lift up these, your people, to you, and I just thank you that your Spirit is the revealer, is the helper, and that you have given us all that we need for life and godliness. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for for being so good in every way, even more than what we can think or imagine. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. And in the name of Jesus, I pronounce you blessed. As you go, go in peace. Go with life. Be well. Well, good evening. Are you ready to worship our King of Kings? All right, stand up with me if you can. Someone shout out three different people, tell me a reason that you have for worshiping the Lord Jesus. He's worthy. He's worthy. He is good. He is merciful. He's my friend, that's right. Awesome. Let's let's, uh, come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we present ourselves to You here tonight. And we invite You to come and to have Your way in this service. We yield ourselves to You fully, Lord. Your will be done, Your kingdom come. Lord, as we minister to You, I ask, Father, that You would minister to us and bring us um, understanding, revelation, and wisdom how we can walk before You and fully accomplish all that You want to do here tonight in this room, in the people's hearts and minds. And I thank You, Father, for that. Thank You for being our friend. Thank you for being good, for being full of mercy. Father, you are worthy to receive all our praise, and we worship you in Jesus' name.
2: Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to see everybody here, fellowshipping with one another, encouraging one another. That's what family does, right? Amen. Amen. Good to see you here, Damon. Good to see you increasing in health. Coming up in every way. Well, we'd like to welcome you if you're here for the very first time. Um, just raise your hand. If this is your first time to Church of the Word International, we'd just like to clap for you a little bit, recognize you. All right. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need an envelope for your cash giving, you can raise your hand, and if you're giving by credit cards, please fill out all of the blanks. If you're giving my check, you can make it out to CWI. As part of our worship, we return the tithe to the Lord. You know, it's a demonstration of honor and a demonstration of trust. Trust that we are looking to him to provide and to be our supply in everything but as always, we like to give you something to hook your faith up, to encourage you in some way in the realm of finances. And so I want to encourage you tonight in believing for abundance in your finances. You can, if you want, you can turn to Romans. I'm going to um, reference Romans chapter 4, verse 17, and also Philippians 4, 17. I don't know how they work together like that, same reference, but numbers anyways. But in Romans... 4.17, how many know our God is one who calls things that are not, be not, as though they are? He, that's who God is. You know, think about it back in the beginning in Genesis. You know, it says that the earth was formless and void, and there was, it was dark over the, over the waters. And God looked out over that, and he said, wow, it's really dark. Man, there's just nothing out here do you see this big blob of mess man is so dark See, that's the way people operate a lot today they look at what they see and then they just call it and call it and call it and, call it and wonder why they have it but see God didn't do that he looked at all that and he saw all that dark and he called for what wasn't he, he called for there be light and light was see he called for what was not and then it was and then he said this, he said, and now let us make man in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over all that God had made. His image and his likeness, which means we're going to have the, the same kind of blueprint. In other words, this is how we're, how are we going to rule? How are we going to rule over the, the things, the creeping things that God made? How are we going to do that? Well, in the same way he did with our words. With our, with declaring and decreeing a thing with our mouth, by calling things that be not as though they are. That's how God operates. You know, Ephesians says we're to be imitators of God, right? We're, we we were created to operate like the master blueprint, so to speak. Well, in Proverbs chapter twelve verse fourteen says this. Of course, there's multiple scriptures like this in Proverbs, but. This one says, from the fruit of their lips, speaking, people are filled with good things. Well, if they spoke good things, right? You know, there's some people that, and I know some people like this personally, I'm sure you probably do too, that say, you know, I just don't believe in that kind of thing. I don't believe in speaking something, this name it and claim it thing, you know, I'm just a realist. Realist? I I don't think I'm saying that right. I believe in reality. That that, that comes out better. (laughs) You know, if I see it, then I'll say it. You know, that just doesn't make any sense. Yet, there's the same people would, if they had a dog or a cat or something, you know, would go home and go out to their porch. All right, this is going to be a dog. Here's Pooch's, you know, dish of food, water dish, but Pooch ain't there. So he says, hey, pooch, you know, come here, pooch, Rover, Oscar, whatever your name is, come. The dog's not there. So he's calling for it, right? Because the dog's not there. Now, I might say, well, are you a liar? The dog's not there. Look at you calling for it. Why, why are you calling for the dog? It isn't there. You can't see it. Why would you call for that? Well, yeah, but, and it keeps on calling. You might say, well, yeah, but I actually have a dog. It's going to come. I have a dog. And you have the promises of God. And you have what God said. And God said, you know, if you're a child of God, Abraham's blessings are yours. And if you're a tither, he said he'll open the windows of heaven for the tither. If you're a tither, he said, I'll rebuke the, the devourer for your sake. we got all kinds of promises. You're just calling for it. You're not lying. You're calling for what God said. Amen? How about... Okay, now go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. We were meant to operate this way. This is the law of faith in action. And I, we referenced this. We looked at these scriptures last week here in Philippians chapter 4. But... Uh, <clears throat> What I wanted to show you here in verse 17, you remember where it says here, he, he was saying that he was all excited about their gifts, back up in verse 10, but he said, not because I'm getting this gift, and then he says here in verse 17 what he was excited or why he was excited, not that I'm desiring your gifts, but I desire, what I desire is the fruit that may abound to your account, I think it's how the King James reads that, the fruit That may abound, which means exists in abundance. Let me say that different. The fruit or the yield, the profit that will super exist and abound for you to your account. Okay, so now I looked up this word account. And I'm probably the slow one here. Maybe someone else has already seen this. I didn't. This word account here is logos into Greek. In the Greek, this word is logos, which means of speech, what someone has said. The sayings of God, written or spoken, decree what is declared. Okay, so God has said some things, but it means even, even more than just that. So then logos comes from a root word that looks like lego, so it probably isn't said like that, but it, it looks like the word lego. It means to say, to speak, to affirm, to call by name, command, direct, to point out with words. Are you seeing this? Paul was excited because he's excited about the fruit, the yield, the profit they're going to surely have because they've been participating not only with the written work, the law of sowing and reaping, but they've been declaring some things. They've been calling for some things. Then he goes on and says, you know, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches. They've been declaring some things. They've been saying some things. What have you been calling for in your finances, I'm saying. I mean, this, is, this will touch any area of your life. But, but if you were just take a moment here and, and think about what have I been declaring over my finances? Man, we just run out every month. I don't know why. Just every time we get ahead a little bit, and then here comes something else. You're calling for it. You're standing out there on the porch calling for that. You know, oh man, we just barely can make it. We never have. You know, my kids never have nice enough. We can't afford to do the fun stuff. Oh, calling for it. You could call for something else. You could call for what he said in his word about you being blessed and prosperous. Amen? You could say, you know, here's the thing. I've, you could say, if you've given now, if you haven't, well, now you need to start participating with what the written word of God has said and, and do it. But then if you have, you know, I've given, therefore it is given unto me. It is given unto me because I've given. Good measure, pressed down and running over, because that's how I've given. So I call for that. I call for a full bank account. I've tithed. Therefore, I call for the windows of heaven open for me and blessings pouring out for me. I call for it. Are you seeing this? Don't speak over, don't speak death over your finances. Call for the blessing. Call for what God has said. Declare a thing over your finances, and it'll be so. Y'all excited about that? (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, then let's pray. Let's thank the Lord for the abundance he's given us and provided for us. Father, I'm so grateful for your word, that you watch over your word to perform it. And Father, we we present you our tithes as part of our worship. We want to honor you in everything. Lord, I just speak blessing over this house. I speak prosperity over this house. I speak an open heaven over this house. Blessings upon blessings over this house. I thank you, Lord, that every need is met. I call out for wisdom and insight to every individual in this house. I call out for anointing, an increase of anointing. I call out for an increase of hunger and desire for the word of God and for the things of God, that we would hunger and thirst after righteousness and after you. And, Lord, I just thank you that, that you love us and that you, we don't have to worry because we care. we are of more value than many sparrows, and you're looking to provide all these things richly for us. So, Lord, I just thank you That we can count on you, we can lean on you and trust you, and it's done. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, well, in our bulletin, we have um, service in Richmond tomorrow at 2 p.m. The address is here in the bulletin if you're interested in showing up. Of course, all are welcome. Sunday evening, we have a youth gathering at the Hershey's home. I'm sure that's going to be a great time. VBS will be upon us before we know it. I'm sure we've got lots of activity to make that happen. We have a sign-up sheet in the back for our CWI summer picnic, so please sign if you plan to attend. That's on July 30th. It'll be at the East Lampeter Park at 1130 a.m., and we'll eat at noon. And please plan on bringing two of your favorite picnic dishes.
0: So, the announcements, uh, a few things I wanted to cover was we have, uh, there's a room that's called the youth room. Probably if you're youth, you know which room I'm talking about. And um, we want to invite our youth to be able to use that room early on in, when we first came here because it was on a, we were paying on a per room use. So, we, we asked them to not go into that room and not use it. Um, but now, since that is not the condition that we're in, and we have free reign of the building, we are saying that the youth, anyone who's not in children's church from there up, if you still go to children's church, then keep your children either in the lobby or in the fellowship area or the sanctuary after the service. That way they're not ripping up and down the hallways and getting into things they shouldn't. But if you are out of children's church and or youth, in that range, young adult, wherever, if, if you're 80 and you want to go hang out with the youth, I'm good with that, alright? But you're welcome to go to that room. The only thing I would ask you to do is not before the service. Why would the pastor ask that? Well, because you guys, I know youth. I was one. And some days still am. They get back there and they get to having a good time and not paying attention to the time and suddenly half the service is gone and they're still back there. So that's why I don't want you to go back there and fill that room up prior to the service. After the service, you're welcome to after, after that you have come and helped our worship team clear off the platform and put their things away. Then the room is free for you. So... There's a bunch of ifs and ands and ors and buts in there. Um, If you you want to uh, see what can I do, talk to John or Steve or anyone else you see up here putting equipment away after the service, and um, they would be happy for your help. Did you see the sign out front? It's good to be able to have a name out there again. And um, thank you, Gene, for making that happen and as Jen already mentioned we are going to uh, um, be in Richmond tomorrow so I would uh, invite your prayer and faith that the Lord will minister according to his purposes there by the way on the sign where's Debbie at here she is Debbie (laughs) did we get anyone to put the sign up and take it down every week No, not yet. Okay, if you have an interest that you would like to do that, put it up before the service, take it down after the service, talk to Debbie, and she will help you arrange that. Thank you. I'm grateful for Debbie. She is a blessing to this ministry in so many ways. I don't know what we'd do without her. I think it'd take four of us to fill her shoes. So, God bless Debbie. And thank you, Barry, for sharing her time so often with us.